Stop stroking your microphone like a penis just because you really enjoy it. <laughs> you know he'll leave that in. <laughs> you know he'll leave that in. Oh, what, have you started recording? Yeah. Oh, good God. I'm Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. And welcome to Scream Masters with me, Bav. And me, Fluff. And this week we are going to be looking through the alien sex... Sextology? I don't know, what's six? Because we struggled with the pentology for Die well, Hard, but this one's six? It's whether we include all of the like Alien versus Predators. Oh, no, like we that. haven't included any of no, that. No, no, so no, let's be clear. That, we, we've know, gone it's, it's all part of the same universe. The main franchise alien films. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, the six main franchise ones. I've watched Alien versus Predator and Requiem far too many times, uh, particularly... AVP, because it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who I looked at as part of my dissertation, so I've seen that far too many times, and it's a, yeah, typical Paul W.S. Anderson, because he just sits there in the director's commentary going, oh yeah, I really like this in this film, so I thought I'd do it in mine. Essentially, it's a tribute to Cube, which is a great film, but Alien V vs. Predator? Not so much. No, very much not. Because what was the tagline? Wasn't that something like, whoever wins, we lose? Yeah. And fuck, has that ever been more true oh, yeah. than with that film? Whoever yeah, almost, wins, almost killed the franchise. we all fucking Almost lose. killed the franchise at both. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, yes, we're going to be looking at the main Alien films. Um, the, the main franchise Alien films this week. But, as always, it's been a bit of time. And uh, we need to have a little chat about what we've been watching. Sure. Well, we do try to avoid this are... between podcasts. Oh, indeed, indeed. So we've got some notes and stuff, stuff we've watched. Now, following on from a film that uh, you mentioned back on, ooh, I think it was the beginning of episode six or seven, something like that, <clears throat> you mentioned a Chinese film. Yes. On Netflix called Shanghai Fortress. Yes. Well, on your advice, I went and watched it, and, and you weren't wrong. Yeah. It was a right little gem, yeah. actually. Um, there, are, there are things I could have done without. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the music was perfunctory for the action sequences and verging on biblically awful for some other sequences, particularly the love sequences. The when love the song. romance angle kicks in, I felt like I was listening to Steve Wright's Sunday Love Songs or something. It, it was that cheesy and basic and cliched almost. Yeah, I, I didn't love the romance scenes in this at all. They just felt unnecessary as part of the whole story it just it just felt like they shoehorned them in a little bit as well I agree I agree um, I think the effects were really good though mostly mm-hmm. like the, the the big action set pieces they did I thought looked fantastic um, the story was good solid uh, but it's based on a book so you know, you'd hope that it would have a solid basis for a plot um, I didn't know any of the the actors or actresses no, uh, no. I, I did some research Um and the the uh, the only one I recognised actually was uh, the actress's name is Kui Shu, I believe, and she played Lin Lan, the 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 female uh, romantic lead who was the general. Oh yes, yeah. Um, who who he was pining after the whole yeah. time. But she, the only thing I knew her from was she was the package in the transporter film, the first transporter oh, okay. film. Oh okay. She was the the girl he I was transporting. Front, That's it. I so, recognised yeah. her face okay. and looked her up. But other than that, the the main lad is a, a Chinese actor, singer, mm-hmm. sort of a, a Disney prodigy, I suppose you'd call him of the the Chinese nation. Um, 
but yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I thought, like I say, I, the, 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 the love sequences, the romance angle, I don't think it would have been as bad mm. had the music not have been so cheesy and stereotypical <laughs> of a romance scene. Sure. Like, I think you can you, know, you can do romance in action. That's fine. Have a romantic thread running through it. Yeah. But you've got to pitch it right. Yeah. And I just feel that overpowered it when it did kick in. Um, but yeah, it was... There, there's, there's a really good sequence I wrote down. Um, it's a big sequence. I think it's towards the end. But there's an attack inside a building. Yes. And the whole sequence plays as like a one shot. Or yeah. I mean, it's not because you, you kind yeah, of you can, can see, see the, the hidden cuts the and the wipe cuts and stuff. But they do it really, really well. Considering again, when you're talking about Chinese action cinema, mm-hmm. of which there isn't a huge amount really available to us anyway. It probably exists. Mm-hmm. We just don't have access to it over here. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's you know, that's Hollywood blockbuster type stuff. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd mention that. Um, and uh, Stuba. Yes. With the, we mentioned that with our yes. our mate, Mr. Batista. Um, I'm not going to do it because I can't open my throat. I walk the miles inside this pit of danger. There you go. Lovely. That's it. That's it. It's been in my head that's for fine. Uh, uh, yeah, weeks. I, I know we both did agree that we were walking around for ages afterwards yeah. just singing that to ourselves. Yeah. I walk the miles inside this pit of danger. Kumal. Nanjiani is how we're going to say his name. That's what we're going with. Kamal, if we're wrong, please tell us. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to go with this because I'm going to assume you're never going to hear this or tell me. Um, however, it was all right for what it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, was, it was entertaining enough. Yeah. Um, I, I still really, really enjoyed it. You know, I think because I've been watching, I, I think it had gone through such a spate of DC animated stuff, and, and I've watched a yeah, lot of series. I haven't watched kind of a just a simple switch on, turn off kind of a movie like that for a while. I enjoyed both of the actors involved in it. I saw kind of many of the plot holes and yeah. say plot holes, the plot devices, shall yeah, we say, yeah. moving forward. Um, but at the same time, just watching Dave Batista kind of who's lost his eyesight, still try and fight and yeah. do this. That it was just I just found a lot of enjoyment, and especially the scene where they're pummeling the shit out of each other in the department store, and they're using every object. Mm, mm. Uh, and I was just, I just found a, a simplicity to it. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, my, because, um, uh, what's his name? Iko Uai is the, you, you, my favourite from Wu Assassins and The Raid mm-hmm. and Raid yes, Adventure, yeah, 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 yeah. Mile 22. Yeah. He's, he's, Seems a little underutilised. Uh, you know what? My next line says, he was kind of wasted. Yeah. He's got about two lines, and the problem is it was directed by an American director mm-hmm. so the action sequences he's involved in are all three second cuts mm-hmm. rather than something like the raid that that was directed knowing that the action sequences could be played out yeah. you could stick with him because he's just that damn good yeah. that you don't need to cut around his weaknesses because he's just that good you know um, something that annoyed me is is and I, 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 you know it's because Kamal was in it and that's how they've got the comedy from it. But mm-hmm. and and it popped up in another film which I may talk about in the intro to the next episode. Um, Hobbs and Shaw has the same problem. But when when did we stop writing comedy jokes? When when did we just say to the comedy actor that we brought in, just go over there, improvise about fifty lines, yeah. and we'll pick the best one. And it's like because it feels like that. It doesn't feel 
like part of the script. It feels like he's just gone through because the reactions aren't the same. The the tone isn't the same even in the voice because you can tell that they've done a bunch of cuts of different jokes. Yeah, I think he. I mean, he again because he's comedy based actor. Mm. Uh, I do think that yeah, he probably did quite a bit of ad libbing. It does seem to be the trait of. Well, it's, I mean, I blame like Ryan Reynolds that, for it as much as I love him. It's, we, yeah, it's, we've it's had fault. this discussion recently about that. It's because um, yeah. that's what they did with Deadpool. He yeah. just shot loads of different jokes and then they picked the best ones. So then they did it again in Deadpool two, and then. Detective Pikachu, he did pretty much the same thing and just ad-libbed the one-liners, a bunch of them, and then they picked one. And then, as I say, we may discuss it later, but Hobbs and Shaw that I've watched, he's in that as well. And he's just doing the same thing. He's very much the same character, yeah. And he's just getting on my nerves now, because it's like, I remember Ryan Reynolds when I watched a film called Buried. And he's actually really good in that, because it's just him, pretty much, on his own for 90 minutes, buried alive in a casket. Where's he gone? You know, I'm just left with this constantly improvising guy who never seems to know which line he actually wants to put to film. So he just says all of them. And it's like, oh, it works to start with. But when you've seen it so much, you're just like, oh, but this is just the same joke that we had in that film. Why are we doing it again in this one? Can't we write some new jokes? No, I mean, there is an increased sense of ad-libbing through the Hollywood comedians now. Um, I think a lot of it is less structured, perhaps, than, than it used to be. Um, I mean, it's just obviously twists and turns of, of Hollywood and, and how comedy comes out in these day and age. I'm sure we'll, re- you know, bounce back to... It's that, that, that thing of cycles of films. You know, we, we suddenly have a cycle of, like, romantic comedies. That's kind of stuff for a while. Comedies are kind of stuff. Obviously, superhero stuff is kind of at the forefront. Yeah. We have the horrors kind of popping up and... Uh, yeah, horror kind stays of, pretty it's, consistent. It's kind of, it stays pretty consistent, but we've had it. We've had a few other kind of big hits as of late. I think, I don't know, whether the comedy cycle will bounce back at some point. Who's to, who's to say? Yeah. I, I still... I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I, I did note uh, that kind of tone from the film at points but again I just cl- tried to switch off my analytical and logical brain I just tried to I just tried to enjoy it as a film don't get me wrong we go through everything that we watch with that analytical side that's just how we work but yeah for this one I kind of switched it off and just went I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is um, silly action comedy just leave it at that like I say I yeah, I got some enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. I just that is like I say, is it perhaps it's because I watched Hobbs and Shaw recently before that as well. Mm-hmm. The, I just it was fresh in my head, and I was like, oh man, I don't want this again. I want some. I don't want a one, but I, I I'm fed up of this ad libby bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's just fucking pick a joke, guys. That's pick a joke. Yeah. All right, I've had enough. <laughs> like, I, I don't watch the 30 minutes of outtakes that you put on the Blu-ray yeah, yeah. of you just saying the same thing roughly over and over and over again for 20 minutes until someone goes, yeah, cut, that's fine, we'll pick something out of that, no worries. Yeah. I just, yeah. But uh, other than that, I agree with you. I think it is perfectly fine for what it is. Mm-hmm. Turn your brain off, go and watch it. It's it's an entertaining 90 minutes yeah. of fun. 40 something like that yes. but you know it's near enough it's not a two and a half hour comedy which no one wants really no. go on do you got anything you want to mention or uh, yeah so I mean again we'll yeah. the main topic no no I mean uh, so again I'd, I'd obviously watched uh, Stuber I'd watched uh, a couple of other things again Hobbs and Shaw 
I've not really got much to say on that, to be honest. Oh, that's uh, fine. I've got a little bit to say, so that's let's fine. perhaps we, we, leave that we for can, We can preview that for, uh, for, for the, next, uh, the next show. Um, the other thing that I watched, and you know what? I'm the, I don't often turn around and say, I'm not going to recommend this, but I'm going to say, I'm, I'm not going to recommend this. Uh, I watched The Laundromat uh, on Netflix, which has got Gary Oldman, Antonio Banderas, and Meryl Streep in it. Um, it's good, kind good of cast. Don't yeah, think the name sells it, but no, it's essentially story about how you know companies kind of launder money through offshore, uh, you know, intermediaries, etc. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that this would be something special, uh, and yes, it had. It, it kind of had a point about that aspect of of money laundering and and how it all kind of plays. But it just felt jarring all over the place. I, I didn't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I enjoyed it mm. because I didn't really. I got to the That's end and kind of went. I've, I've sat through all of this. Uh, Gary Oldman, considering how you know he's recently won an Academy Award and we've seen him in such good stuff, I didn't like his accent in this. It kind of detracted a little bit for mm. me. Um, uh, yeah, there was a, a few jarring things about it. Uh, without giving too much away, you know, Meryl Streep at one point has got prosthetics on and clearly is playing another person, and I'm like. It's Meryl Streep. I'm not Streep. <laughs> I know it's Meryl Streep. You still look like Meryl Streep. Uh, yeah, you still look like Meryl Streep, and I know exactly who you are. Because why are you putting that kind of makeup? On? I, it, uh, it just didn't. Yeah, it just didn't sit well with me. I'm not going to lie. Um, another couple of things that I have been watching. So I mentioned obviously about the Righteous Gemstones before the yeah. HBO show. I decided that. As we are both fans of bulk watching, I decided to save a bunch of episodes. I had a bit of time off uh, recently from mm-hmm. uh, from the working environment, thank God, and I decided to save a load of stuff so that I could watch it. Now I watched I don't know, five episodes of Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. Now it it was hilarious when I first started watching this. I didn't realise how much heart that this this show was going to develop. I'm not going to say too much because I still want people to go out there and, and, and do watch it mm-hmm. whenever it becomes available on English TV or on the streaming platforms. But I really enjoyed this. By the end of the, the, the last episode, like there's a real sense of heart in there. Um, there's still the comedy and there's still stupidity. Uh, there's still nudity for absolutely unnecessary reasons. Um, and it just Gotta love that, as long as it's not Melisandre. Uh, well, put it put it this I way: you see, you, see more, you see more male dick than you probably do in. in oh, in brilliant! Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's okay. like, oh, good god! Um, yeah, I'm not going to say the scene because if you watch, I'm it, not you even kind joking. Of go, I'm I'm all for that. I think it should be totally fair. Um, it's just if you like, put, oh, god, if you want to put some nudity on there, put loads of men dicks, it's, men's it's, dicks on it's there. It's just that's the scene fine. in question when you if and when you see it, you'll kind of you'll understand why. Um, but honestly, like it, it really, really was good. John Goodman's fantastic in it. Danny McBride's great in it. Um, they both just put really good performances in it. You know, John Goodman is very much kind of the the serious portion of this show, uh, whereas Danny McBride and, and Devine they are very much the comedy uh, front of it. But I loved it. I really loved it, and I'm I'm hoping. I don't know at the moment whether there's a season two. I'm certainly hoping there is. Um, the other thing that I've been watching quite a bit of. Has been South Park, uh, as we've recently discussed. Yes, I, I too have been watching some South Park, uh, which trying to catch up again. Kind of going as a throwback. Um, I downloaded uh, a couple of the South Park games and just decided, you know what? While I'm while I'm playing these on, on my time off, let's watch a bit of South Park. And I've forgotten how much I love this fucking show. Um, it, it surprised me. 
quite how much I'd forgotten uh, how many of the classic episodes there were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. So, we yeah. both made a conscious decision to catch up yeah. and also go back and watch some classics yes. that, that we very much enjoyed. Um, are, you, are you up to date? I am totally you up to date. I think there was date. one I'm, episode this week which I've yet to watch. I've but, got two uh, or three yeah. episodes at the end of season 22 to watch mm-hmm. and then I'm on to season 23. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't want to say too much because I think we will do a South Park episode. I think at so. Some yeah, point. I think we've determined. And that. I don't want to get into the finer points of some of the series. I mean, obviously, it's a fantastic show. If you're out there listening to this and you think South Park is poo jokes, you know, fart jokes, and four little eight-year-old kids being stupid, then potentially that's what it started as. Yes, most definitely. Potentially that you could be blamed for thinking that, but I would argue that by season three, four. Mm-hmm we'd gone a totally different direction. Oh, yeah. And by the modern stuff, we are it, it is more satire uh, and biting satire at that most of the time uh, and comment on the world, you know, the world and America and politics and, you know, there's pretty much nothing they won't, they won't touch. And, yeah, I mean, and parody in some way. But I always think, I generally think they're right. Their point that they make, regardless of how they go about making it, the, you know, the I've learned something to take guys is generally bang on, and that's why I love it, because they're not wrong, really. Yeah, I mean, you've certainly got, uh, coming up soon in season 23, they they do comment on the China situation, just wait until you get to that, and again, you'll you'll feel the same. Um, I'm not going to say too much more, because I think we definitely, (coughs) having discussed this, will cover South Park. I've got so many anecdotes about how I got introduced to South Park and where I saw the first episode and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I think we'll save that for, yeah, uh, for for a future one. The last thing I'll just say is um, Watchmen, the first episode of Watchmen. Okay. Um, so I think it's you know let's let's talk about a comic book show because you know that's what we do. I, really I haven't watched this, and I have no intention of watching it. See, I didn't. In- initially I'm not interested in, in another um, film set in the Watchmen world yeah. that takes, from what I've seen, mm-hmm. takes Zack Snyder's style of it. I mean, the way it's presented. It's not, I mean, by that, it's not a spin-off from the film. This is no, a no, absolutely not. I'm just saying the way the presentation sure. of it and the way it seems to be shot to me mm-hmm. is is invoking. Schneider's style. I wouldn't have necessarily said that, but okay. I mean, I've, I've watched... I'd like to say I may be wrong because I haven't yeah. seen it. I've just watched trailers and stuff and TV yeah. spots. Um, I've, I've watched the first episode, second episode, I've yet to watch. I think I'm going to probably save a few as usual to try and bulk watch stuff. But the first episode did give me a little bit of hope that this might turn out to be good. Mm. Um, I've been doubtful because I think we've both talked about the Watchmen film and how much of a bit of a disappointment that was. Yeah. The graphic novel is hard enough to get through as it is. The spin-offs and everything else. Mm-hmm. The current storyline that's going in through DC Comics at the moment called Doomsday Clock, which we've both been reading and discussing as well. Yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an intriguing one, put it that way, because it's taught me something about American history which I didn't know. I'm not going to say any more than that, but I think it is something that you may perhaps... Go back to. We'll see. Well, I'll give you the full review of the of the series once it's finished. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because like I say, at the minute I have no intention because uh, yeah, I did not. It's not that I didn't like Watchmen. I actually think Watchmen stylistically and to view as a film mm-hmm. is entertaining mm. and looks glorious mm. at times because that's what Schneider's good at. He's good at style over substance, mm. and that's what's missing. Because yes. let's face it, Watchmen 
is all substance. Yes. As you say, if you pick up that graphic novel, it is a wordy oh, comic yes. book. It yes. is. It will make you read. Yes. Because that's what comic books did back in the old days. Most definitely. Um, because the art, the colours and the arts and stuff, you couldn't be as detailed as you are nowadays because of computers and stuff like that helping it to, to become clearer. But, yeah, I never liked it because I never thought his style... Mm-hmm. As cool as it might be, and as well suited as it might be to something like 300, mm-hmm. I don't think it fits Watchmen. I don't think that slick, glossy style was ever Watchmen. No, I, I, and I, don't, I don't ever feel the Watchmen. It was should like have been grittier than Watchmen. it was. Exactly. That's what it's missing. That's what I'm trying to say, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. It was too polished. Zack Snyder's idea of grit, yeah. as we've seen in. Batman, Superman. I'm not going there. His, we're, not, we're not going there. We're not but going there. As we've seen there, his idea of grit <laughs> is putting sort of a, 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 a brownie filter over the lens. We're not going there. We're not. Let's let's not go there. Because we, 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 we will rant about that for, for <coughs> otherwise. <laughs> Excuse me. I may cough every now and then because I'm still suffering from the after effects of an illness, um, and I only mention it just to explain the coughs. Um, okay, let's uh, let's crack on to. This week's topic. Now, as we said at the beginning, there are six films that we are looking at. They are the original Alien from 1979, Aliens from 1986, Alien 3 from 1992, Alien Resurrection from 1997, Prometheus, which I think was 2012, I apologise if I've got that wrong, and Alien Covenant, which is 2017. And the most recent one. With my boy Danny McBride. Obviously. Yeah, with Danny McBride, although you didn't even watch the film. Well, I've so, had a lot going on. You have watched which ones? Uh, so, I I have watched... Obviously, I've watched all of them. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm me. But... Yeah, you're you. Uh, but to be fair, I, I did watch almost twice the amount of DC animators that you did, Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And to be fair with this one, I gave you, what, three, four to pinpoint if, yeah. if you only wanted to watch a few yeah. of them. Um, so I watched Alien, Aliens, Alien 3... And Prometheus. You see, I'm um, shocked you watched Alien 3. That was quite possibly one of the worst. Yes, I know, but I needed I mean, to I watch it. I do think Resurrection is the res- worst. But I had to watch it because it's the worst. Yeah, fair enough. If that fair makes enough. sense. Yeah, yeah, I see what like, you mean. I wasn't about to go and watch Alien vs. Predator because that wasn't part yeah, of the yeah, No, and that's and, totally and, worse. Exactly, exactly. a whole exactly. different ballgame so, of worse. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, go ahead. So, there's an interesting thing as we go through these. I actually, uh, I've got a big uh, Blu-ray box set that they did after Prometheus with loads of extra stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And each film has uh, a director's cut or special edition. Because in 2003, I don't know what the relevance was, but in 2003 they decided to release... Uh, they gave every director of every film the opportunity to do a special edition. Mm-hmm. So the Alien I watched was the 2003 director's cut, as James, oh, okay. as uh, Ridley Scott calls it. James Cameron did the special edition of Aliens in 90, 1990 uh, and didn't go back and do anything to it for 2003. Then Alien 3 was done as a special edition in 2003 and Alien Resurrection also got a special edition in 2003. So I've actually potentially watched a different versions to you, oh, okay. but also particularly Alien 3 but also different versions to potentially the listeners, because mm-hmm. uh, they may not have known existed. But I've seen these films so many times, I decided, hey, Sonic, I don't think I've seen all the special eds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch the special ed. So, <coughs> starting back in 1979 with Alien. 1979. I know, and this is the thing. This is the thing. I 
problem with Alien in the modern day is parody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't watch Alien, or you, it's difficult to watch Alien and take it seriously. Plus, it is, it was, but you have to go in with a brain that says, I need to respect this. Because, is it fast-paced? No. No, it's a slow-paced film. It's a slow build. It's methodical in what it's doing. It positions things that build and build and build and build the tension before then tripping over. Now, in the modern day, you don't get that. You get your quiet, quiet bangs kind of scares, but they are built over seconds. And that's their idea of building tension, is I'm going to build, I'm going to put 15 seconds worth of children singing a nursery rhyme and then do a jump scare mm-hmm. to, to get the reaction. No one puts any effort in, with some of it. Admittedly, there is some good stuff in the modern day, but, it, you know, you, you're homogenised. Standard stuff is really not well thought out. But you've got to bear in mind that essentially a ton of sci-fi horror, thriller, a lot of sci-fi tropes generally came from this film. Mm-hmm. This is where they came from. This is our, like Die Hard was our genesis for the action comedy, this is genesis for pretty much any sci-fi horror film. And like I say, I'd even argue some sci-fi films that don't stray into horror. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've some of the first notes that I made when I was going through this, you know, again, I was like, 1979, this is still the mainstay of sci-fi horror to this day. Uh, you know, you've got, granted, the first appearance of the, the facehuggers, and it's, it's those eponymous kind of moments throughout the film that have been replicated in different ways and different comedies uh, as well as horrors space balls that's it it, again I was just about to say you know that eponymous alien bursting from the chess moment which has been replicated in so many things so many times that it's hard to look at this film um, without considering the impact that it's had you would have to have lived in a cave and seen nothing of sci-fi horror potentially sci-fi in general if you wanted to appreciate this as you may as the original audience might have done. Um, now, like I say, does it mean it's not scary? Well, by modern standards, I'd, I'd struggle to say it scares me. I really would, because even though they build the tension well and stuff, obviously, I know what's coming. And I would argue that even a modern viewer who hasn't seen it before probably knows what's coming because you've seen it parodied somewhere else. Yes. And because that bit, that thing, that idea started here. Um, so I think it has to have a lot of respect for that. You've also got people like Ian Hurt, uh, Ian Hurt, you know, um, John Hurt, Harry Dean Stanton, some great actors in there. Oh, most definitely. Who, who do brilliantly. There's a great twist with the robot mm-hmm. that, you know, is a twist. But again, I don't think the modern viewer would see it that twisty. No, and again, I think I, you know, put something <coughs> here that this is going to be a callback to a future film yeah. with, with Prometheus in, yeah, in that absolutely. respect. So again, it doesn't... It doesn't tear up because we never knew that I was coming, but when they were writing Prometheus, they went, mm, okay, that's that's something that we could maybe include. So mm-hmm. it kind of plays off of itself. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley being the complete badass that she is, yeah. she made that female protagonist so important, especially at that point in cinema, being that kind of a person. I mean, later on in, in a later film, 
she gets nominated for an Academy Award for Christ's sake. Mm. That speaks volumes yeah, to the character. And uh, to I the do actors. think uh, um, she's strong in this one, mm-hmm. but I do think Aliens is where we oh, see yes, most of, yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's where she becomes a badass. It's, I mean, I'd still say we see shades of that in this. Mm-hmm. Like, you, oh yeah, you still, I'm not saying but, she's but, yeah, yeah, weak. Yeah, yeah. She of is course. easily one of the strongest team members there. Yes. You know, she is the least phased by a lot of what's yeah, happening. Yes. Well, not phased, but you know deals with it logically and rationally yes. while others around her are perhaps taking it more emotionally yes. and they're men. Yeah. Um, something I find quite interesting actually when I was watching it I hadn't realised this the last three people alive mm-hmm. are two women and a black guy yeah. which for 1979 is actually quite something <laughs> yes. isn't it? Um, there's Scotty Weaver Veronica Cartwright and Yafet Koto who I love because he's Kananga in uh, Live and Let Die Yes, yes. Um, and I love that guy he's brilliant and obviously Yafet Koto has done so much stuff. Go and look up some of the stuff he's done. He's brilliant. Um, but yeah, that 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 struck me as being amusing. Um, that 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 was uh, that was the case back then. I mean, in in summary, all I I appreciate it as Genesis and how well made it is and how well paced it is. But I don't I don't think it's as scary as it was by the modern standard no. just because of the way things are these days and mm-hmm. the, the amount of violence we we see uh, and things like that um but definitely you know it's it's got to be up there it's because it, it is it is genesis yeah it's no, the start of it all it without it there's nothing else no i mean it's uh again it's the, the the little things within it uh i think the, one of the main notes that i kind of made was uh you know the android turning on his crew uh, and he, he expresses his admiration for uh, the alien psychology uh, because it's uh, unhindered by consciousness uh, and morality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just brilliant yeah, uh, because, again, it, it doesn't it doesn't just portray the alien as as an entity that needs to be feared. It also portrays AI at that point, which yes. is again yeah, absolutely. something which picks up a lot further down mm-hmm. the line. But again, it was just um, for, for being in 1979 of all time. I mean. You think how many? You know, how long ago that was? Now, I, I think it still it, it holds up well as well because, exactly, that's, because that's and, and thing, why yeah. is that practical effects? Yes, that's why. Yes, because there was a guy in the suit, yes. in the alien yeah. suit, and it was designed by H.R. Geiger, and it looked fantastic, and you you bought it, mm-hmm. you know, with all the drool and everything because it was real. Yeah, it was. It looked real, you know. Um, and again, I just think we've been desensitized to the xenomorph over the years. Most definitely. Because of the CG ones, yes. as, as we'll come to later, you know. Um, but yeah, so it, 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 it stands well, but it isn't a patch. I, I wish I could go back and see it in a vacuum, as they, the, you know, people would have in 1979 or whatever. So then, some seven years later, good old James Cameron came along and decided he wanted to do an action sci-fi horror. Which was interesting. So, at this time, I would have said he would probably... For me, what was Pete Cameron, I think? Uh, he knew how to do his sequels. Yeah. We got T2 after this, I think it yes, was. Yes, we did get it after, yeah. Um, and had he done Terminator by this stage? I he had, he had, had, had first So we've done Terminator, yeah. fantastic. Had a crack at Aliens. So, the plot, essentially, we're going back to the planet... That uh, that, that uh, LV four two six. It's fifty years after the first film. Fifty seven. Fifty seven. Ah, oh, okay, fair enough. I just wrote fifty. Um, 
Sigourney Weaver has been Sigourney Weaver's character survived and has been found in an escape pod and been brought back to Earth. And she's told that she's been gone for 50 years, so her daughter is dead. And we, we kind of spend, again, I don't know whether this is just a special edition, because I know it's a good 20 minutes longer mm. than the standard edition, but we spend quite a lot, at least like half an hour at the beginning, setting the scene, dealing with what happened at the end of the first one and setting things up for the next one. And it's necessary, I feel, because why the hell would she ever go back? And you have to get around that problem. Yeah. And I, I feel they do that in a satisfactory way that explains it to us. So, it's 50 years later. They've sent uh, a colony ship out to, uh, out to LV-426 to colonise and terraform, which is what Whale and Yutani do, which is the company that Cameron introduced in Aliens, which carries on throughout the franchise, but it was never mentioned in the first one. It's a, an, an introduction of uh, Aliens. So... They build better worlds, so they're trying to build a better world here. Now, when she comes back, she uh, tells them about the ship and stuff, and so a colony team is sent to go and look at these coordinates that she says, uh, and they're a family with a little girl who becomes relevant later, and they, the, 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 the dad comes back with a facehugger on his face from the ship, and they hightail it back to the colony, of course, all hell breaks loose from that point. So from Earth, they send a load of Marines out uh, to go, uh, plus Ripley and Paul Schneider, who plays Burke. Uh, no, Riser. Paul Riser. That's his name. Yeah, Schneider. Yes, um, uh, he plays Burke, who's just the slimiest corporate greaseball that you can ever imagine. And again, that's probably some of the origin of corporate greaseballs in movies was here mm-hmm. uh, from him. So yeah, they go back, and we've got all these 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 marines. Um, the team of marines is really well rounded. I feel uh, you've got Drake and Vasquez, who are the the guys with the big guns. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Vasquez is the other ass kicking female that we've got here. I mean, Jesus Christ, this, this film's quite testosterone-y, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've I've spoken to a lot of people about the first Predator film, and and there are some females I've spoken to, some women I've spoken to, who said, I can't watch it. It's just too. It's too manly, you know. It's too <laughs> testosterone filled, and I get that. So uh, when you when you say that, it, it actually makes me laugh because again, when you finally get around to watching Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which he needs to yeah, do yeah. badly, there is uh, a, a point where they talk about the bulkiness and and how much mass there is an actual joke within that how they've been watching predator for so long he just talks about body mass and how much he had to and it's hilarious because they talk about that very thing oh really but yeah i would argue that someone like the the vasquez she's got more testosterone than most of the men on the in the fucking platoon like she is ridiculous she's got balls of steel that woman um then you got higgs and hudson who's michael bain and uh bill paxton um and again, like Bill Paxton's Hudson, he's a whingy bitch. He's he's the one freaking out over absolutely everything. And Sigourney Weaver's like towards the end when they're they're the only ones. He's one of the crew left alive, and she's like, "For fuck's sake, Hudson, pull it together, man! I can't fucking handle you like this." Yeah, she uh, continues hit- to be. Uh, she continues to be the. Well, as we've said, she she was a badass in the other one. She continues that and then some in this. Yeah, yeah. But considering the impact of the previous film, mm. she's in control. Yes, that's it. She knows what she's dealing with this time. And again, that's why I think the, the early stuff, 
because I, I hear a lot of complaints from people that it's too slow to get going because we spend half an hour sort of tying up loose ends and setting up where we're going. But I feel that that helps. It's necessary because it does set her character up for why am I going back? And I'm going back, but I know what I'm dealing with this time. So I know what to expect. So she, like you say, she's just more in control of of what's happening, or it seems as if she is anyway. Um, oh, who's the leader's name? Gorman, the leader of the military. But as it goes on, you realise that actually he's only done simulated combat drops, not actual combat drops, and the Marines are like, oh my god. And he's a wimp, and he doesn't want to get into anything. And he's a bit of a dick, really. Already, that, that's our team of, of Marines. You know, again, you, you look at a lot of modern films with a team of Marines. I struggle to name more than two They're very of generic. the characters because they are so generic. Whereas these guys, they are quite well-rounded. I mean, yeah, okay, Drake isn't hugely well-rounded character, but I know he's Vasquez's part, mm-hmm. not partner, but, you know, in inverted commas. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the other big gun because they both have the massive guns and there is obviously a chemistry between them that isn't sexual in any way, that is respect. Mm-hmm. And again, that's quite interesting to see from 1986, a big, beefy man mm-hmm. respecting this smaller woman because she's a fucking badass mm-hmm. and fair play, you know? Um, uh, Apone, I love Apone. He's the black guy who leads the team and keeps calling them... Oh, you know, the drill instructor, but a black drill instructor is so good. Uh, He's like, come on, ladies, uh, get up this morning, or whatever it is. Um, But I like him. And also, I made a note that he, when they're going down into the... uh, They're going down the stairs. Because obviously, again, I think this is the first time I can remember us seeing first-person shots. Like cameras on head. Oh, I see. Shots. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, a first-person viewpoint of a team going into a situation. Again, it pops up throughout the rest of these films. Yeah, I mean, it's... But I started it, thinking, and I couldn't think of any film that had done that No, but again, I mean, it's, this. Uh, I mean it, it does sound like a, a Cameron kind of thing. Exactly. But he experimented exactly. with this. He, he played with it, and it works really well, yeah. because when the... Again, it has more fear in it, because it, it's chaos. Mm when things start kicking off, you don't get the full picture of what's happening because you're sat back with Burke and Ripley looking through screens at what's going on and you can just hear screaming and crackling vision and now that screen's gone blank and why is this guy doing that and this guy doing that? And it, it, it creates that, that chaotic tension of, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's, what's going on with them? And then, again, that, as we discussed with Alien and, and the eponymous scenes that have kind of been played out in so many things. Again, that same kind of style has been played out in so many mm. action films where a camera goes down, another camera goes yeah. down. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. And it happens Screams all over, over the, the radio. Plane. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know. Um, but yeah, my point of a poem was actually, as he's going down the stairs, mm. he says to them all, keep it tight. Is that where he got it from? I d- it just occurred to me, I was like, that is the only time I can think of someone saying, keep it tight. Oh, and it's the way he says yeah. it, because he goes, keep it tight, We know people. what, we'll probably have to investigate that. One. I don't. Uh, for those who don't know, that is a shout out to Up, Up, Down, Down, which is the uh, YouTube, seri- uh, YouTube series of uh, Xavier Woods from uh, WWE. <laughs> Uh, or get well soon. Uh, yeah, get well We're going to miss you, buddy. He's, he's, out he's of got an Achilles tear, so he's out um, for ages. But yeah, he, uh, he he signs off everyone with the uh, with the eponymous words. Keep it tight. 
And yeah, that's the first time I'd heard it, so I didn't. I, I wondered I did, whether you know, that's I where didn't it came even from. Pick up on that. He says what Dad says. He just goes, "Keep it tight." Keep okay, on. you know, we'll have to look into that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like many of the team get their own little arc. Sapone isn't in it for long, but he and he doesn't really get much of an arc. But like Gorman, the 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 the, the weedy idiot chief of these Marines, he gets his redemption arc. Mm-hmm. He he gets to to be the goat guy at the end. Um, obviously Burke doesn't. He gets his comeuppance as he fucking well should because he's a sleazy bastard who tries to kill them all. But that's Paul Reiser for you. Um, When you look at the effects, the effects mostly hold up really well, I feel. And why? Because it's miniatures Mm -hmm. or it's uh, practical effects. It's actually built stuff. I think the only time where it falls over is like the the classic game over sequence um, where the plane's crashing behind them is green screen. And I think, you know, no matter what age it was, if, if the film was made around this time, you can't mask green screen mm-hmm. cuts very well. No. So the miniature stuff and the crash behind it looks fantastic. The people running away looks absolutely fine, but you put the two together and you can clearly see they're not lit in the same mm-hmm. way and they look apart from each other. But I'd rather that... Than the CGI nonsense than we get today. really crap CGI yeah. that we wouldn't have been able to do in 1986. Or, even worse, going back in 1990 and chucking CG at it, yeah. you know? I'd still rather that. Um, so, yeah. The special edition, I clocked it at 2 hours and 37 minutes. Um, and like I say, people say the first 20-30 minutes drags because we're dealing with fallout and stuff. But, as I said, why, why, why would she do that? Why would she go back? Unless we have some reason. Did you catch Captain Hollister? Shout out to the Red Dwarf episode. Captain Hollister from Red Dwarf mm. is the uh, the chief of the um, colony when you see them before all the attack happens Didn't and stuff. He's walking them. around talking to someone and they're okay. talking about the site that they've sent someone to. Yeah. But it's Mac McDonald. Uh, okay. Captain Hollister. I didn't. I didn't pick it up. And that I, was I, I did, I did. two years before he played Captain Hollister. Oh, there you go. Maybe he looked a little bit fresh faced. I didn't pick it up. Yeah. But, uh... This is obviously ridiculously quotable. I mean, we've. I've already covered. Keep it tight. They mostly come at night. Mostly from Newt. Mm-hmm. I. The more I think about that line, the more. I mean, how much does that line say about a character? Mm-hmm. As silly as it sounds, but it tells you so much about her and her experiences, just from that one little line. Um, and obviously, Game Over Man, which... Game Over Man! Game Over Man! Game, game over, over Man! Which is, again, Hudson going, freaking out, because they've got no plane to get off. <laughs> what do we do now, man? What do we do now? Well, that's been played over game so over, many man. times in this day and age. How ridiculous is it? I was, uh, there was, um, I was at work, and I, I work in schools, I'm an IT guy in schools, and there was a child who was having a break time listening to an episode of something on CBeebies, and that quote was in it. Mm-hmm. One of the characters turned and went, game over, man, game over. I was like, that's from Aliens. Yeah. Why is that in a like three-plus kids show? What? But it's so weird how it gets in. I I made the... Uh, uh, I have an agreement with the good lady now because she listens to this. The good lady teacher her indoors. Um, I, I insist that she watches some of it. I mean, I wasn't going to make her sit through anime. Oh, okay. But... I, with this, I was like, look, you need to watch a couple of them at least. So yeah, she sure. was going to watch Alien Aliens and uh, Prometheus. Sure. And she didn't end up watching Prometheus because neither of us were very well at the time when I needed to watch it. But I don't think she was... I don't think she was that impressed with this one. I don't think she was particularly scared by the first one. She mm-hmm. said, like... like Almost like, what's the fuss? Yeah, sure. 
because again, I, I just don't think it pulls through. But I think it was, I, I think it's the testosterone levels. I think it sure. was a bit too manly sure. for a, a you know a, a feminine female. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll disagree. That's absolutely fine. But that that's the impression I got from her anyway. Um, which is a shame because, like, say the female characters in there are actually quite strong for their time. But yes, they are essentially men. You know, that's the role that's I see been your point. given. I, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, they're, they're male badass characters. They're apart from Newt, but then again, Newt's got the sort of well, she's got more survival skills and stuff, hasn't she? Whereas the uh, the other two main women, which I'd argue is Vasquez and, and Ripley, are you know total badass women who mm-hmm. are just they're harder than the men. And the men are the wimps most of the time, you know. Um, but it's it's an interesting juxtaposition, I find, because they're you've got these hard ass marines who are the ones who are wigging out and can't cope with what's happening, versus there's four, I think, females because there's like a medical officer whose name I can't remember because she doesn't have a particular arc really. So you've got Ripley, New, and Vasquez, and and then this medical officer. But none of they're always the ones in control. The men are always the ones that are freaking out, with the exception of like Hicks, because he's a marine guy and he's fine. But yeah, particularly Hudson, Burke, Gorman, they're all just freaking out all the time and, and can't handle it. And I, I find that really interesting, considering this was a mid-80s mm. uh, film. Okay, I think I'm done with that one. You got anything else to say? No, I think, as I say, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's just a few... A couple of scenes and a couple of shots, which make it for me uh, that that kind of you know that Ripley film mm-hmm. uh, to to show she's a total badass when she yeah particularly the end. I mean that's it. She, you know when she refuses to leave without you, and then she basically tools herself up for battle. I love that. Just, it's like because it's like a Rambo montage. Yeah, where he does the the whole headband. I can't remember which one it is, but there's one where they spend about five minutes watching Rambo tie things around his head and his twenty four inch pythons or whatever they are. Um, and he's just getting himself ready for badassery. And yeah, she's strapping a fucking flamethrower to an M- M90 machine gun or whatever it is and duct taping the bastards together so that she can do maximum damage. Yeah, so I mean, just those kind of shots of showing the sheer badassery of who Ripley is. Uh, and again, that shot of, of Ripley in the kind of exosuit. Yeah. Uh, it's just, again, you, you go back and look at that. And again, she's just like so hardened by that point, so yeah. brutal. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's gone through all this shit and shit. She's she's still there. She's still fighting. And you just think, that's one badass fucking woman. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a couple of those kind of shots. Uh, again, you know, so many... The game over, man, quite for me, just still cracks me up to this. Yeah, day. yeah, just, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's it by far holds up at this point for me as, as the best of the bunch. I think at this stage, definitely it was. And it's, it's interesting because that film sort of inspired the... Huh. Is is there any other thing where the sequel's better than the original? Mm-hmm. And it sort of sparked that question. I did, feel yes, very much. It was this film that did it because there wasn't really anything that was better than the original up to this point. Now, yeah. uh, it's been suggested we should do an episode looking at that, and we may very well do so mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's more difficult nowadays because you do you say sequels? Yes, this is uh, <laughs> this is the difficulty of that conversation. Personally, yeah. you know, when you get to stuff like Fast and the Furious. I love the first one, but the fifth one is not the same film as the first one. So I don't feel that you could say the fifth one, even though I would rather watch the fifth than the first, because it's far more entertaining. It's the one where it's the first one that The Rock's in. 
Okay, right, okay. Um, and that's, you know them better. That's where it gets the jolt of charisma. Sure. Um, it's also the one at the end where they're pulling uh, like a bank vault behind two cars, I think. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, and that, that I love that film. It's entertaining as all hell. But you can't compare it to the Fast and no, the Furious no, no, because no, no, no. they are not the same no, film no, no, at all. No, no, they have changed by that point. We've gone somewhere else with the franchise. I think that's something that we'll have to discuss on <coughs> pod and, uh, and debate over. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Okay, we're running quite long on this one. So I think what we'll do is we'll stop now, uh, call this one part one, and then push the next one, uh, the, the, the rest of this discussion, to uh, the next movies episode uh, for us. Um, thank you for joining us um, if uh, you want to get involved in anything go over to the Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash the screen masters there's a permanent link there pinned to the top of the page that will give you the links to YouTube, uh, Spotify, Patreon all of that good stuff come over and see us there you can send us a message we do read everything uh, we're interested to know what you guys think um, so yeah uh, for now I shall say I've been back and I have been fluffed. And this has been Screen Master.